Hello, everyone. This is the Maiden Nature Podcast, and I'm Carl Moore. This podcast is dedicated to exploring humanity's deep connection to nature, a connection that reaches down, right down to the universal energy matrix that underlies reality, and where we find our biology is embedded in its very fabric, and the notion that we are separated is all an illusion. This connection is important to understand so as to provide humanity with the high ground in order to make the right decisions as technology becomes a greater force in our lives with the potential to radically change us as human beings. Today we're going to be talking about a form of homeopathy known as agrohomeopathy. And my guest today is Marco Sullivan, a practicing homeopath and naturopath from Donegal, Ireland. He also studied at the Irish School of Homeopathy and has qualifications in computers uh, in the computer science area and IT. He's also uh, been involved in apiary and beehive keeping. And uh, here he is. Welcome, Mark. <laughs> Thank Welcome you, Carl. Thank you. Delighted to be on your show. Thank you very much for, for taking me up on the offer. I'm no very problem. curious to know more about, I suppose the listeners are most curious to know, what is agrohomeopathy? Because, well, homeopathy is one thing to explain, but now you got the agro as well. So if you uh, can give us some background to that, that would be great. Okay. Agrohomeopathy, it's, it's a fairly recent field, to the best of my knowledge. There, there's been a few prominent practitioners uh, in the field who are homeopaths. But just a, a definition, basically agrohomeopathy is using the law of similars and homeopathic remedies to cure plants of their diseases and pests and to enhance the health of the biome in general using homeopathy and homeopathic remedies. Right. So that, so it's, it's basically homeopathy, but the application is for, let's say, the environment, which is animals, insects, pests, herbicides all that other stuff. Um, well, yeah, I mean, there's the whole, the whole area of veterinary homeopathy, which is very exciting. And we, we use the remedies in a similar way uh, that we use um, on human beings. And then, but the area of plant homeopathy, yeah, you do use that law of similars where you compare the symptoms of the remedy to the symptoms of the plant. And you kind of anthropomorphize the plant, if you like. Mm -hmm. You can imagine if the plant has a fever or if it's thirsty or feeling itchy or irritated or something like that and translate it into an equivalent um, you know, that's one methodology, uh, but there are other methodologies within the, the agrohomeopathy, which I learned. Um, and, you know, you, you have a toolkit there, about five or six different methodologies that you could apply to any one situation. I, I can unpack that for you, if you like, a bit later on or, or now. Yeah, absolutely. Like. I, I suppose um, I just want to, you know, for the listeners to make a, maybe a few more points on this, is that the, well, homeopathy, well, we'll just call it agrohomeopathy for the moment is um, it's, it's a method where you, you, the focus is on fortifying and strengthening the plant rather than going about killing its enemies. Uh, and, and that's sort of a fundamental difference. The other is that it uses very low doses, so uh, there's no toxic residue. Toxicity doesn't enter into the equation whatsoever. Not at all. It's 100% organic. 100% organic. And uh, it also... Uh, because you're strengthening the plant, it also mitigates uh, detrimental effects of things like too much rain or drought, uh, chemical toxicity and stuff like that. Um, you, can, you can use remedies to help plants adapt to stressors. Okay, okay. That's, 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 that's very interesting. And the other thing is, is just to stress again is that you can use the same kind of line of investigation uh, to find, uh, well, the, the plants and animals don't necessarily talk back to you, but you can mm -hmm. use the same, um, well, not verbally, um, you can use mm -hmm. the same kind of uh, symptoms, like if, if a person has, a, um, let's say, a rash uh, with black spots on their, that can yeah. be the same for a plant, and the same remedy might come up. Yeah, and you would read the, diff the plants in a, in a slightly different way, like, for example, a plant is kind of like if you're going to anthropomorphize a plant and call different parts of its anatomy after different human parts so that you can you can make correlations then you know the organ systems are like on their heads so the digestive system is the roots and the ground and that's where their mouth is yeah so yeah, the yeah, mouth yeah. and the, the digestive system are all the roots and you know the biome and a healthy biome applies there in the soil as much as it does in a gut biome in the, in the, in the stomach like our own gut biome um, so, you know, you, you have that and then you've got the reproductive system uh, at the end of the lungs 
because the, 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 the leaves are the respiratory system. So the leaves would be, would be quite like lung symptoms, you know, and then you've got the reproductive system then kind of a, at the end of that too. So, and you've got a circulatory system too. So, you know, you can, you can kind of map, if you like, anthropomorphize the plant in that way when you're choosing your homeopathic remedy. I mean, a good example of that is, is like, is the origin story of, of Kaviraj and his agrohomeopathy. Okay, uh, no. Vaikuntanath, Vaikuntanath Das Kaviraj is one of the prominent uh, kind of theoreticians of, of agrohomeopathy. In his book, Homeopathy for Farm and Garden, uh, it's, it was, it's been out for ages. I got a really, really early copy of it. I, I got it before the homeopathic community even knew about it because he was a, a Hare Krishna devotee. And I, I heard through the Hare Krishna devotee community because my flatmate was a Hare Krishna devotee at one point. And he started talking about this guy, Kaviraj, applying remedies to plants. And I thought, my God, that sounds amazing. Um, you know, I, I've never heard of anybody doing that. And I managed I, to order a copy, uh, kind of an end, one of the, the last copies of the first edition. Um, and nobody in, in Ireland or England that I heard had heard about this at all. And I remember it literally standing with, on the, the open page of the one on slugs, Helix Tosta, the remedy Helix Tosta. Okay, um, what's, which, Helix, which, what's Helix Tosta now? That's, that's a remedy made from... Helix Tosta is a remedy made. It's, it's actually made from, from a, a, a toasted... That's why it's Tosta. It's made from a toasted uh, snail. Uh, and it, it's a small remedy in homeopathy. It's sort of second, third line remedy for pneumonia and tuberculosis. And the, 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 the flag... So if you tried the other remedies and they haven't worked... And you see that the, this, the main symptom is like slimy when you cough up, like with tuberculosis, that the, 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 the phlegm is like snail slime. And that's the indication for using the remedy. But Kavi okay. took this and he, tur he turned it into a remedy against slugs because the, the snail itself is an Italian snail and it's a predatory snail as well. So it predates on slugs. Um, so you have a few different aspects of the theory incorporated in that you've got similars because it's a similar remedy with the sliminess you've got predator uh because it's a predator and you've also got the anthroposophic um, practice of of peppers of of uh, combusting something and using the peppers as a, a, a vitalistic remedy against the thing that you've set fire to oh, okay, so like, Mark, you know there... like rat rat dust or you know rat ash is used and combusted on the night of the full moon in biodynamics. Now, this is anthroposophy. So there is a certain amount of overlap between agrohomeopathy and biodynamics. Okay. Let, here, let, let, I'm, 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 I'm digressing, right? The, what I wanted to tell you was the origin story, the, the one about the, the tree, because it's a good example of, uh, of anthropomorphization. So, you know, Kaviraj, uh, he was a practicing homeopath. He lived all over the world. He was a bit of a trickster, I have to say. You know, you wouldn't necessarily believe everything he said to you, but he was fantastic company and, and full of stories. And he'd done all sorts of things in the 60s and everything. But anyway, the story goes that he was living in Switzerland, I believe, or Austria. And he was you know, practicing as a homeopath and he was visiting a family and he was treating all of the members of that family for their ailments. And they were farmers and they kept orchards. And the, they complained that one of the apple trees had got rust and rust is a very fast-moving fungal disease which can cut through an orchard like hot knife through soft butter. And um, orchards are also naturally weak because they're mostly grafted plants. So they're kind of a bit like they need to be mollycoddled and protected. They don't have a robust immune system in the same way as a naturally grown tree has. So they were very, con they were very concerned because if this thing, it could destroy their livelihood or take out a big chunk of their trees, which is what they depended on for, for their income. So they asked Kavi to go up and take a look, and he said, well, I don't, I don't treat plants, I just treat people. And they said, well, look, you have the knowledge. So go up and just take a look and see what you can see. So he went up and he anthropomorphized the tree. So he thought, okay, he asked, the tree, there was the tree, and there was a red rust or mold that had spread across the leaves of the tree and onto adjoining trees. There were about two or three different trees that had been affected. Um, so in other words, it, it had come on suddenly, number one, sudden onset. Second, if it, was a, if it was a person, it would be red rash, the sudden appearance of a red rash on the skin. And then he, for, he asked more questions and he found that the leaves were drooping sooner after watering than the other trees. So these trees, trees needed more water. They were thirsty. Yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, uh, you, you could hypothesize again, maybe a fever or an elevated temperature. 
maybe. But anyway, he put it all together and he decided that belladonna was the remedy. Which, of course, so, is a classic fever remedy in homeopathy right. for, you know, sudden onset, appearance of red rash, fever and thirst. Um, and, and a high fever and, and, and rapidly spreading as well as this thing was. And also the color red. You know, if it was aconite, you would have, if it, the rust was white, you would have chosen aconite. Right, and they're they're two different remedies. Um, well, they're very, but they're very allied remedies. They're using yeah. the very. You know, you have to differentiate between them very often if you're if you're treating a fever. So these are remedies for rusts and molds that that come on quickly in in trees and mildew as well. I come to that. So anyway, they they gave the the trees the remedy, and the trees made a full recovery. And they reported that that the the apples even tasted better on the trees, that they they were they had a better flavor. So Cavi was, was massively encouraged by this, and he went on, and the next thing he discovered was, I think the next thing he discovered was Cochinella. That's the, the ladybird. Lady the ladybird, lady yeah, because he was so, living... So, so he was using that as a predatory thing for... As a predator. Well, no, he just, this, is, this is how he claimed he discovered okay. what's known as the predator principle. So you've, got, okay. so you've got five. You've got five methodologies in in Kavaraj's over agro homeopathy, right? There's other. There's there's Maute as well. You know, there's there's Christina Maute. She also has an influential book uh, on agro, which I which I read and use as well. It it goes into the similars methodology in a lot more detail. It's very okay. useful in that way. Okay. Do you want to spell mm -hmm. the name of, of that author, or do you want to give this later? Uh, Maute M A U T E E. Okay. Nice. I have a book here. Yeah. Homeopathy for plants. Christiane okay. Maute. I believe. I believe she is uh, is deceased. I think I may have read that. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. But and and her daughter is is collecting her notes for some more. Okay. But her her book is very. It's a very good place to start. Agrohomeopathy. Because uh, okay, okay. Kavaraj's books are a bit more encyclopedic. Uh, com complicated. They're, they're, I think they're a little bit more oblique. This is much more accessible. Even okay. though it's it, it you don't have a lot of the important methodologies that you have in Kaviraj's book. So I can give you a link to, to a, a handout that I, I gave in the classes about these five methodologies. The, the, the Belladonna used on the tree is a good example of the Similar's methodology. And Similar's methodology is basically applying classical homeopathy to plants in the same way as Christiane Maute does time and time again in her book. You take the indicating symptoms for a remedy and then you apply it to plants. And then you end up with, with the treatment for for the plant um uh so in that way belladonna what Kaviraj did with belladonna was was a similar methodology let like cure like the, the you know the the methodology we all use as classical homeopaths at the core of our treatments um so uh but Kaviraj came up with another four different methodologies and the obvious one there would be the nosote so if you have a diseased plant that you take a diseased tissue and then you turn that into a remedy yourself and then you administer that to the plant. So a, a tautopathic nosode. That would be another okay. obvious methodology. And, and Christiane Maute, she, she goes into that quite a lot too. Making okay, nosodes from slugs and making nosodes. Yeah. I just wanted to say that's one of the great things about homeopathy is that you can take a substance. Yes. Like what you just explained, like a diseased tissue. Yes. And then you can actually create a remedy, which we won't go into right now. But it's a yes. matter of diluting and shaking it uh, in a certain way. And then That's you actually right. have a medicine. And, and so this is one of the reasons why I was quite excited about it. Um, and you give it, you give it back you to could, the you plant. You can do it with anything. Mm, anything. And it's, you know, in, in, if you're treating somebody, for example, with, you know, with classical homeopathy, you often bring in the nosode. So if you're treating whooping cough, you'll give the indicated remedy, whether it's cocculus cacti or drosera or whatever. And you will also bring in pertussin, which is the, the nosode made from the whooping cough. So, so you know, it, it's, so, so in the same add, way, you could, you, could, you could give an indicated remedy, and you could also give the nosode to the plant as well for, right. of the disease that, that it has. And, and, and is the remedy given to plants uh, different from the way you would give it to humans? I mean, the prescription seems to be the same, uh, the way you're talking or anthropomorphizing it. But isn't it um, yeah. you have to give it a higher, what is it, lower dose, more water, or is there a subtle difference, or is it basically the same? Can, can, I, can I go through the, 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 the methodologies first before answering that question? Oh, okay, sure. Okay, Please. yeah, let's, let's just, do that. Five, yeah. just to finish that, there's five, there's five methodologies. So you've yeah. got the, the similars, you've got the nosodes, 
yeah, which we've discussed there. You know, it's, it's, you give the disease tissue back to the plants. But you also had a few really interesting ones that are not in Maute's book at all. Uh, and the, the star of the show, of course, is the predators, predator methodology. Right. Uh, and, that, and that is, um, you give the remedy made from the predator to the plant that has the pest that the, the predator predates upon. And Cochinella was the first example. I was telling you about Cavaraj when he moved from Europe and he moved to Australia. Uh, and he was developing, while he was practicing, he was developing his, uh, his ideas in agrohomeopathy. It was then that he saw the pro problems with aphids. He said, he, could, he said, like, if we can crack slugs, if we can get aphids next. Uh, and so he sat out in his garden and he had roses and aphids and he tried, he tried making a tincture of aphids and he tried different kinds of aphids and then he tried toasting the aphids and then he tried doing all different kinds of things with the aphid itself, using the, uh, the, the nosote as such, using the isopathic nosote. Um, but it didn't work. And, you know, as, as we know in homeopathy, sometimes the isopathic nosote doesn't work. Yeah? The is isopathy is less reliable, really, in general, than similars, in my experience. Um, similars is the more powerful methodology. So um, that's Mark, not to say isopathy is useful. But anyway, so he, he did this, right? Well, he tried on, all these Mark, things. Mark, I just yeah. want to make a distinction between isopathy and homeopathy. Isopathy yes. is where you use the exact remedy. For use the, the identical. Uh, isopathy where, where is, homeopathy in fact, is a similar. Yeah, I just want Iso isopathy is in fact what most people think homeopathy is. Most people right. out there think that homeopathy is isopathy. You take the you take the take the thing that makes you sick and you turn it into a remedy and you give it back to you. That's not homeopathy. Homeopathy is is similars. So the thing that provokes the symptoms you have, it may be completely unrelated to the disease. You know, the good example is the hay fever and onions. Yeah, there's no connection between hay fever and onions, and yet onions are a great hay fever remedy. Yeah, you know, only, you, only because they make the eyes water in both instances. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. That's but you, you, can also right. give, you can also give the nosode of pollen as well, and that, that might take the edge off. But it won't right. be as good as the similar remedy, in my experience anyway. Okay, um, that's interesting. So you've got those two methodologies, but the predator one is a, is a completely new one. So Kavi was sitting in his back garden, having tried all these uh, different toasted, to toasted aphids and roasted aphids, and he was sitting there having a cup of tea, and there he observed the... Ladybird, eating the aphid. So there he was, looking at his roses, watching this a lady, idly watching this la ladybird gobbling away and eating scores and scores of aphids, like a mad aphid-eating thing. And then he discovered, then he had, he had his remedy. He had his remedy. So that's yeah. when he discovered the, the predator principle. And then after that, then you have the whole area of integrated pest control or organic integrated pest control it's in a completely understood area of organic farming where all the pests are matched up with different predators and then you can buy the predators and introduce them to the growing environment to lessen the pest problem yeah so this, yeah, is, this, yeah. this is integrated pest management ipm so it's, it's an entire field that that then became completely folded and incorporated straight into agrohomeopathy so all of those insects can be turned into remedies and used in the same way in potency. So all of the stars of the show, the, the ladybird, the lacewing, the, tri, the tri, trichogamma wasp, I think that's the name of it. All of these, you know, star of the show predators, hoverfly, um, they gobble through aphids. They gobble through all of these pests and they're very good broad spectrum um, predator re prevention remedies. So in the same way, you've got Arania diadema, the spider, that the, the papal cross spider, I believe it is, makes a web, eats anything that comes into the web. Very broad spectrum predator. So Arania diadema, another very useful remedy in, in, um, in repelling uh, predators. And then you've also got not only the in entire area of integrated pest management, well, you could do an entire show on that, yeah? But oh, you've, yeah. Also got, um, you've also got the area of microorganisms and microor microorganisms that are predators or parasites of the pests that you're trying to get rid of, yeah. So you've got you've got nematodes and you've got bacteria. So in the same way as as uh, Monsanto came along and spliced the genetic material of our food with uh, a, a, a bacteria called Bacillus thuringiensis, yeah, and that's that's BT. When you look at Monsanto's products, you've got BT corn, BT wheat. The BT stands for Bacillus thuringiensis. Uh, it's a, it's a naturally occurring bacteria found in the soil which completely screws up the digestive tracts of bugs, ticks, caterpillars, 
and a whole host of insects of puke kind of in their early forms. That's an excellent broad broad spectrum predator remedy. You put that in your cabbages and you get rid of all the little the little caterpillars. And I did this in the Heritage Community Garden. We got rid of all of the caterpillars on the cabbages by applying Bacillus thuringiensis and Bombyx processionista, which is a, a predatory caterpillar, which is from Caviraj's remedies as well. So it's another predator. Wow, wow, so wow. It, when, when Caviraj saw that ladybird eat that, that uh, aphid, it opened up a whole new broad vista of remedy possibilities in agrohomeopathy, which other fields don't have. So, I, so I, I suppose the way I, I kind of visualize it is, is that um, you're taking the energy, um, I'm kind of analyzing it here from a physicist's point of view, you kind of take the energy of these predatory species and you, you have the roots of the plant soak that up um, so that, so that the, the plant itself will emanate that predatory vibration so that when the, 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 the parasite or the aphid comes by, it just it feels that bad energy, or as it were, and stays the hell away. It, it, rep it, rep it repels the insect. Now, uh, my understanding, or the way that I would usually cast it, because it is agrohomeopathy, and we're talking about homeopathy, um, you know, it isn't about killing the pest. The pest does not die. The pest is repelled, is non-violent and non-toxic. Yeah, all that yeah. you're doing is watering the plant with water. Uh, and the plant absorbs the remedy. And, and, and from, but from a homeopathic perspective, uh, people get things because they're susceptible to them. So plants have become susceptible to pests. So you have to ask yourself, why is the plant susceptible to pests? And the first tool in your kit, of course, is the predator remedy. And the predator remedy would be said to heal partially or entirely the plant's susceptibility to the pest. That's, that's what the predator remedy is doing. It's healing the plant's susceptibility to the pest and enabling or empowering the plant to defend itself naturally as it ought to do in, in, in a situation of peak health. But you might find that it doesn't, and, and when I worked in the Heritage Community Garden um, for about a year and a half, I volunteered in a, 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 an organic garden in Donnybrook, which is gone now. It's been developed for flats, of course. Of course, it's in City Centre Dublin. All these heritage variety apple trees that I saved from mildew twice, um, are probably chopped down now. Uh, right. But, but I, I spent about a year and a half there when, when my son Dara was very young because I lived in a townhouse in Ranala. So it was great to be able to bring Dara down to the garden. He called it the wheelbarrow garden and he had great crack running around and he, they, they left a few toys there for the kids that visited. So, you know, it was a fantastic place to bring him. Um, and there I learned, I did an entire course in horticulture, how to grow your own food. We planted spuds, we put lazy beds, we got tomatoes, we got all sorts of nightshades, we had all different kinds of flowers. The, the, the garden was used as a, an activity for different support groups for people with mental disabilities as well. So they, they got to go in and, and connect with the plants. And it, was a very, it was a very healing place. It was really, really nice. Um, and there, so I volunteered there, and they were also very open to the agrohomeopathy and for me to apply remedies. I got to apply loads of loads of agrohomeopathy. I got to practice it. So many people have read about it, but here was me actually getting a chance to practice it in real plants in a real setting. Um, and I have a whole list as long as my arm of stuff that I, that I got rid of with various remedies. I mean, the first um, impressive one, well, before we get into the Heritage Community Garden, but before we get into that, Let's talk oh, yeah. a little bit. Just finish the whole thing about the, pre the, the methodologies. You want to finish, finish this? Because there's nothing I want to mention is companion plants too. But go ahead. Yes, because that's another. And then minerals. They're the last two. Okay. So you've got, go so you got similars, similars, which we're all familiar with at home, the homeopaths. Nozodes, which we're all familiar with as homeopaths. And it's isopathic treatment. Yeah. Then you've got the, the other three that Kaviraj pioneered. First was the predators. So you've got the whole area of integrated pest management that can just be immediately imported into agrohomeopathy, a mature, um, proven field of pest management that can just all be turned into remedies. Then you've got companions, and it's another, another uh, area of that there's established knowledge, quite a developed knowledge within horticulture, organic horticulture, of which plants are good companions to others. And you can just turn those into remedies and give them to the plants. A big example there is Kaviraj's use of basil uh, for tomatoes. Tomatoes companion plant is basil. Of course it is. Uh, and so you give basil to, you get to the tomatoes 
and you can get rid of pests and problems. And it, it basically, it's almost like a sort of constitutional remedy for the plant. It's a similar thing. Um, and, and there's a whole list of, long, I suppose the star of the show there really would be calendula, the marigold, used extensively by organic gardeners to attract beneficial pests, to repel predatory nematodes that eat your plants from the roots up. And it's a remedy for all of those things. So it's a kind of like the universal companion, calendula. It's a very kind thing to give to your garden. Calendula is the marigold. So I suppose the question would be is, um, rather than give the remedy, if you planted marigolds in the vicinity, that would, that would obviously have a help. It, it, would, it would also help. But be, yeah. of course, we know, as, we know as homeopaths that the potentized substance is actually more vital and more potent than, than the material substance. And, and there's no better example than that than, than the last methodology that we haven't discussed yet, which is minerals and mineral deficiencies. So it's, it's, a, it's a methodology in agrohomeopathy where you read the plant in terms, much more traditionally, in terms of horticulture. You look at the pH of the soil, you look at the nutrients available in the soil, you look at the patterns of disease on the leaves, you, and you diagnose nu nutrient deficiencies based on that. And then you give the corresponding remedies. So you've got very clear symptoms for nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium deficiencies, boron deficiencies, calcium and magnesium deficiencies, and also the knowledge within horticulture that certain pH levels will lock out certain nutrients from plants. So if the pH of the soil is out, then you're going to have to help the plants to adapt to that as well with remedies like NatFos and sodium bicarbonate. Right. And, 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 and CalcFos. CalcFos is another big one. Yeah, the, That's the one they used up in... When I taught this up in the, the organic center up in Leitrim, uh, they had, they had a, 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 an apple tree that had, fa had failed to thrive. Leitrim with its acidic body, boggy soils yeah. uh, and uh, underdeveloped fruits. So it was a, a, a developmental issue and it was an acidity issue. So that, that indicated calcfoss from the tissue salts. And, and it, it helped to, to the, the, tree, the tree to adapt to the acidic nature of the soil and unlock the nutrients therein. So what I'm seeing here is, is that there's a way, um, you know, if, if the soil is, let's say, pH imbalanced or something, you could go out and you could sprinkle... Uh, tons of fertilizer on your acreage uh, or else what you can do is you can use the remedy uh, in a water form and then spray uh, spray the ground with the water uh, it's much more economical and is effective is 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 it substitute for like the crude application of lots of mineral yes. yeah, I, I actually believe I believe there's a, there's quite a quite a few high quality studies done in agrohomeopathy um, because it's very easy to do experiments on plants, very easy. I mean, you could try it yourself, even with the the, the, um, the skeleton key to agrohomeopathy. So if your listeners would remember nothing else about what I've said today, um, they, they should remember that silica, the remedy is silica, and particularly in, in the tissue salt form would be fine. Silica is like, is like a, a universal panacea for plants because the skeletal system of plants is made of silicon, not carbon. So if you, if you give the plant silica, and silica, of course, in homeopathy is used for puny, lacking in vitality, not digesting nutrients, lack of structural strength, easy to get infections, particularly fungal infections. This is a profile of, of, of a weak plant with, with fungal infections. So I think silica, is, is silica is one of the main sort of panaceas for plants. I so, think uh, in, 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 bio, in biodynamics, the, one of the main remedies is like crushed uh, uh, or rock horse or tail. horse tail. And what they do is it, that's, it contains a lot of silica in it and they, they spray it across the, the ground. Uh, it's, it's slightly different to agrohomeopathy, but it's believed that uh, it, that electrifies the soil or invigorates it. Um, it does. But it, they believe that it increased the vitality of the entire farm. So that biodynamics is very much based. It's it kind of it embedded in the anthroposophic belief mm -hmm. system um and but but it, it is it's kind of or as somebody described it, astrology for plants <laughs> but it, but it, it's it actually is it's much more of viewing viewing the entire uh, uh, farm as an organism whereas ag agrohomeopathy as it's as it started off is actually much more nuts and bolts than that it's like this plant is sick let's give it this to make it better right you know? gotcha. or the, here is a here is a pest let us give this remedy to get rid of the pests. Whereas biodynamics is more like here we create a vortex of vitality using the energy of these plants to bless our land kind of 
vibe, you know, under the full moon and swirling it around for an hour in one direction to create a vortex and, and an hour in the next to create another. So, um, you know, it, there are there is plenty of overlap. And Kaviraj, I think, towards the end of his life was was steadily kind of incorporating, having incorporated integrated pest management and companion planting into agrohomeopathy. He was he was setting about, uh, you know, drawing the parallels between biodynamics and uh, and and this new field of agrohomeopathy. And, and, and for example, you know, the, the 501 and 502 formulas that you hear the people in agrohomeopathy talk about or in, in biodynamics talk about. You can use remedies like, for example, valerian, or you can make a remedy from the wild yam, which is another one that they use to increase the subtle energies of the farm. So you can use these in, in, in potency as well. Although I suppose it is, it is a different uh, succussion and potentization method, but sure, you know, Steiner came up with his standing on Hahnemann's shoulders, you know? So how, how could it not be valid? Um, so uh, yeah, so that's you know, you know it's it's a, the, the parallels there are interesting. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit if you if you don't mind. I just want to recap the five methodologies. You've got the similars, you've got the nosode, you've got the predator, you've got companions, and you've got the minerals, minerals and deficiencies. So there are five different toolkits that you can draw from. So if if your if your plant is infested with aphids, for example. You could give it Staphysagria, as, Chris, as, as Christian Maute recommends. And Staphysagria, as you know, is a remedy for being invaded or being bullied or being infested um, with knits uh, as well as lice. Terribly, it was used as a knit and lice remedy. So, you know, Christian Maute in her similars methodology suggests using Staphysagria. But you go to, for example, the predator methodology, and now you're going to use Cochinella or you're going to use Hoverfly because that, that's the predator that eats, right? So, you know, either one is valid, right? And then you've got minerals methodology. You ask yourself, well, why does the plant have aphids? Is the plant suffering some kind of deficiency or is, is the, the, the circumstances of the soil not optimal to the plant to the extent that we now need to intervene with remedies to help the plant adapt while we solve the problem? While we, we can't, you know, it's a bit, to, to do otherwise is a bit like the alcoholic who takes Nux Vomica to recover from his benders, but he's still an alcoholic. He's doing nothing to, to address his alcoholism. So in the same way, you can give, you can give plants to, uh, remedies to adapt to their surroundings, but really what you should be doing as a gardener is making the surroundings optimal so that remedies are not necessary. Yeah, in the same way as, as if you're treating with some, somebody with homeopathic remedies. I mean, if their diet is crap, then there's a limit to what you can do. Yeah, it puts it puts a limit or a maintaining cause on the treatment. So you need to sort that out in, in a case. So in the same way with the plants and the trees, if there's a persistent problem or recurring problems, then you need to sort that out. Somehow there's a deeper deficiency or a deeper, more holistic cause that needs to be addressed. And this is more the, the, the approach of another agrohomeopathic theoretician by the name of Radgo, and I believe it's Chavesky. You pronounce his surname? I'm actually not quite sure how you pronounce his surname. But he is to be found on the wonderful hpathy.com, www.hpathy.com, uh, as the plant doctor. Originally, Kaviraj was there, and he has articles up there still um, before he passed away. Um, but now Radgo Chavetsky, again, I can't pronounce his surname, he's up there giving his agrohomeopathic advice from his methodology, which is developed in Spanish and was developed in Mexico by this Czech national. And his, he calls his hollow, hollow homeopathy is the name that he gives his version of it. And he's all about looking at the entire landscape and prescribing a constitutional remedy for that bioregion or for that biome. So here is somebody not going on the surface and then treating acutes like, uh, you know, aphids is about as superficial as it can get. Yeah, you, uh, like, I, I, I'll come back to the example of aphids as superficial in a second. But what this guy is doing is he's, he's prescribing for entire regions and he's also using plants as pesticides. Like he has a remedy for Japanese knotweed, which is based on a plant that has the opposite nutrient cycles to Japanese knotweed. So you give the remedy made from the plant that has the opposite nutrient cycle and you jam or throw a spanner in the works of the nutrient cycle of the plant that you've given it to. That's, the methodology he's working in. I don't know so much about this now. I know Maute and I know Kaviraj, 
But, uh, you know, um, Radko Chebeski, I have yet to explore. I'm looking forward to getting his book. I lived in Spain for two years, so I have fluent Spanish. So I, I will, I'm looking forward to reading it and possibly even translating it. I, I have a question for you. Um, so yeah. um, would you treat everything in the garden with homeopathy or agrohomeopathy? I was thinking, um, like you were saying, some things are in such a state that, you know, you use other methods. And I was thinking in homeopathy, you give a remedy, but you may also do something like give organ support, or you might even give, uh, you know, tell people, you know, vitamins or, or their diet, you dress it at a more crude level. So that would be the same with the garden or the, or the farm. You, you, you address things at an energetic level with the agrohomeopathy, but you also have the manure and you have maybe some crude... You, so you do what you can. It's holistic in that sense. Yes, you do. exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's holistic. You're you're addressing a unique, you know, the example of the person who, who has chronic disease and their diet, you know, is, is not. It's it's actively working against their efforts to heal themselves. But that's not a sustainable situation, even if even with the best remedies in the world. Um, so you know, if you have if you if you have maintaining causes. You need to treat them. So similarly in the garden, you, all of that stuff, and it, that was the stuff that I had to catch up with myself uh, as a gardener, as a horticulturalist. Like I have my first season, since I moved to Donegal, I had my first season this year. So, and my plants are monsters. My spuds are monsters. My courgettes are practically climbing out of the, the planters. Uh, <laughs> all of the herbs that I plant, so I've had no problems with pests, except on the thyme, I've had this strange orange bug. But it doesn't seem to be eating the thyme. They just seem to be using it as a place to make love. <laughs> for some reason they must like the smell you know these strange orange bugs i go out and there's yeah, a sort yeah. of an orgy going on every morning so i have i haven't i haven't got rid of that because it's it's kind of entertaining but the but the, the 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 caterpillars on the early cabbages i didn't want so i used bacillus thuringiensis and uh bombix processionista and they didn't come back the, yeah you went you went cabbages but yeah, yeah. but it's interesting you should talk about a baseline of health because i came up this this um season i came up with this thing uh what you might call a homeobotanical except it's an agro homeopathic an agro homeobotanical uh just to to clarify a homeobotanical is it's a herbal remedy uh usually it's one simple herbal remedy or a mixture of two and it's got a layer of low potency homeopathy on top of it and it's designed for organ support methodology so you might give somebody like milk thistle tincture and in, in a 6x or 9x potency, you add to the tincture things like chelidonium and colosynthesis and, you know, and all of the various liver support remedies in potency. And the person takes it together as a herbal tincture with this layer of low, low potency homeopathy on top of it. Yeah? Okay. So it's not constitutional. It's not constitutional treatment. It's more like naturopathic treatment, um, you know, tissue salt treatment, building health. Yeah? It seems so this is what I did this year. And so what I did this year was... I made a, a, a potion that is made from effective microorganisms. You may have heard of Bokashi compost or Bokashi. It's probiotics. It's a synthesis of beneficial anaerobic probiotics called effective microorganisms. And they're used in all sorts of, they're used in slurry pits and compost. They're used in soil. They're used to, to improve the nutrient digestion and, and also reduce odors. So, it's used in composting to pickle compost and improve the, the, the nutrient quality of compost. And it's used a lot in Japan. Yeah? But What's effective microorganisms? EMs, effective microorganisms. That's what they're called. And they're, yeah. they're, they're, <coughs> they're cultured in blackstrap molasses. Oh. So you get a bottle of EM and then you make a bottle of EMA by, by basically brewing it in a solution of micro, my, blackstrap molasses. And it's great stuff for, for the plants, right? Most of the compost that you buy, the commercial compost, has been sterilized. It's been put in ovens and it's been sterilized. It's dead. Yeah. So you need yeah. to populate that with probiotics. And, and, and effective microorganisms do a really good job. And there's a few symbiotic <coughs> yeasts and fungus and, and bacteria in there that work with the plant's roots in the same way as our own gut biome digests our food for us. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and also there's the mycorrhizal inoculant, which I used in the honey fungus case, 
which we haven't okay, discussed okay, yet. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, you need but, to, you're using Google. Let me finish there. this Let me, let me finish this thing about the, the yeah, this, right? Explain. So I put that in, and, I, and you were asking about a gradual setting a baseline of health for the garden. This is what I did. I did the probiotics, and on top of that, I put in tissue salts. I put in silica, calcarb, which is rocket fuel. And I put in um, natfos for acidic soils. Uh, and I put in a Kali salt as well. I put in Kali carb in a low potency. And, and that kind of establishes a baseline of health for the plants. You just put that in the watering can. It's in low potency. You can just dose again and again and forget about it. And I put calendula in there too, because calendula is the universal companion. Okay, great. I was going to ask you what the, the, the rhizomorphic, because a lot of people may not know what. To which? Uh, rhizomorphic. You were talking about I, the... Uh, the fungus, the honey, you were going to start talking about the honey. Oh, the honey fungus, yes. But you used the okay. word. Oh, yeah, the micro horizon the inoculant. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so we, we've covered, well, we've covered, what, we, what have we covered? We've covered an introduction, who ca what agrohomeopathy is, who are the prominent um, yeah. so I take, I take, can I Can I just say this, is that we have about 10 minutes. So oh, 10 minutes. Like, yeah, so if you'd like to talk about. Uh, maybe the honey fungus remedy that you worked on and, and maybe I, I would love to talk about that but I, be I, be, being yeah, the teacher well, that I am I want to do the whole recap thing so if you don't yeah, mind no, that's fine you go right ahead <laughs> yeah, yeah that's great no, the teachers yeah. make the worst worst interviewees yeah it's like no hang on this is my class <laughs> um, so yeah to, uh, yeah so what we what we've done so far yeah we, introduction to agrohomeopathy what it is uh, who are the prominent theoreticians what are the books that you, you need to buy in order to find out yeah then we've done the five methodologies the uh, similars, nosodes, minerals and deficiencies, companions and predators. Yeah, and um, I talked a little bit about the practical examples in the in the heritage community garden, um, and uh, and also about you know homeobotanicals and and, uh, and biodynamics and the overlaps there. Right. So the, the, I, I wrote an article uh, when when after I did a few years of this agrohomeopathy and I was I've been asked to talk on different gardening groups and. Uh, the, the, the Get Up and Grow GIY, you know them? They asked me to come and talk at their seminar. I've been invited to talk to the, the, the Alliance of Registered Homeopaths in the UK uh, and do a lecture for them on their annual seminar, but that was cancelled this year because of the COVID. Um, and so, and that was on the back of this particular case. So I was asked to go out to a, a place called Sinarcha in County Mead, in Laytown in County Mead. So it's north, just beyond Balbriggan in very north County Dublin, across the border into Mead. Uh, Sinarcha was known as the, the National Ecology Centre, uh, and some of the very early greenies, people who were active in the Green Party around the generation of, the, you know, John Gormley and Trevor Sargent and people like that, and it was close to Trevor Sargent's constituency. So they had a, a, a windmill, a wind turbine there before there were wind turbines anywhere else, and they had organic farming, extensive grounds, and they called it the National Ecology Centre. Now, I don't really think it took off as a huge commercial success. But they did run a course, several courses on things like horticulture. And I think the main um, income comes from their heritage garden of apple and cherries and fruit trees. It's been, been there for about 200 years. It's a very old estate. The estate itself is built in, on a Neolithic site. There are Neolithic remains on that site. So it's, it has been settled for thousands and thousands of years, as many places in that part of the country have been in Meath. Um, so, uh, so yeah, they had this uh, National Ecology Centre and they invited me up to talk about agrohomeopathy, to give a class in agrohomeopathy because I was doing it around the place and they'd heard about it. So I gave and gave, I went and I gave the class and, uh, and during the course of the class I was out and you'll see this in the article. The article is, is I'm sure we can put a link somewhere, Carl. Yeah, well, when I get right to the article. Up, yeah, and the article that I wrote originally for the, yeah. the Irish, yeah. the, the Homeopathic Times, the Irish Society, journal and then after they had it I sent it to the ARH in the UK and they published it as well so um <clears throat> yeah so we went out and, and she gave me this challenge basically there was a, a kind of a dead twig in a pot planted in a shady courtyard and it was supposed to have been an oak sapling but it was obviously starved of light a long time ago and and the first thing that we did is the practical walk around the gardens big gardens yeah acres and acres lots of plants lots of uh, beds to, 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 to do practicals on. But she asked me about this plant and I just thought, you know, what's she asking? This is dead. It's a twig. You know, if you, if you just leaned over now and bent it, it would snap like a brittle twig it is. Um, and, and so she, she kind of said, no, no, give it a remedy. So I said, okay, well, carboveg in homeopathy is, is known as the corpse reviver. Yeah? So if something is, if somebody or something is in a really bad way, 
you give them carbovag, and it's it's charcoal essentially. It, it filters out. Uh, it, um, it's a kind of a liver failure on the verge of liver failure remedy, in insofar as it, it it saps the toxins out of the body and allows the body to cope with whatever is filling it full of toxins. And usually, so it, you know, respiratory crisis, all of that. So I gave it carbovag, and I also gave it silica as well, because silica, universal strengthener, and also a very compatible remedy with carbovag. So we gave that. And then we went off and took a look at different plants and aphid remedies and whatnot. And I thought that was the end of it. I went home. And then about three weeks later, um, Bridget, uh, who, who's the, the, lady, the lady of the house, and her, her husband, Luke, was the owner. They're both the owners of, of the property. She got in touch with me and she said that the, 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 the twig had sprouted leaves. This dead twig, this oak, had started sprouting leaves again. So she was impressed with this, as I was. And uh, um, and she invited me in to, to to treat the real problem, and I I I'm guessing this was the preamble. This is probably the reason why they wanted me to come and teach the course in the first place. I'm guessing now, but the 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 orchard had honey fungus, otherwise known as armillaria, and honey fungus gives these 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 golden coloured toadstools. They grow in a ring around fruit trees specifically. So the the roseash the roseaceae, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. The family of fruit trees, so elderberries, apples, plums, peaches, pears, all of those kind of long, skinny, bush-like uh, trees. Um, it attacks them in particular. They're particularly susceptible to the honey fungus. And it's a predatory fungus. And it displaces the mycorrhiza fungus. And the mycorrhiza give those, those uh, healthy uh, white ribbons that run through the soil, this network. That's so important. Paul Stamets is an amazing person to listen to uh, on the whole issue of the mycorrhizal so network yeah. and how, how, it's, how it's fundamental to life on Earth. I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those fungus. Um, it's the mycelial the, network. In the, the mycelial network, yeah. So the, the, but but the, the, the honey fungus is a competitor to the mycelial network. It okay. displaces the mycelium. So it comes in. It, it, it's also known as bootlace fungus because the, the rhizomes that it sends out on about two or three inches under the soil, they look like bootlaces. You dig them up and they look like old, rotted bootlaces. And they attack these fruit trees and they kill them. They get the, around the, 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 the roots. And next thing is, the, the, in slow motion, the tree screams and dies. So it kind of goes, ah, in a blaze of flowers and fruit because it's dying. And then it keels over and dies. And then uh, the nutrients are broken down. The armillaria gets stronger. And then it moves again on to its next victim. Uh, in order to to dine on its next victim, so so it is. It's, it's predatory. It's uh, you know you could see the progress. It had been there for three years. Luke, the gardener, uh, the main source, one of the main sources of income came from these trees, these heritage variety organic apples, and they they were looking at pulling the trigger on doing something very toxic, and and losing their organic status. And he was also just very concerned about the and nervous about the, the conditions of the trees to in to begin with. So this is why I was in there. So how did I treat it? How, you know, I didn't have, uh, what's his name's, um, uh, Radko Chavesky. I don't have his methodologies. I don't know what he does to prescribe for entire landscapes. I had kind of Kaviraj's busy, busy, treat individual plants methodology. But here there was this kind of, you know, monster under the soil that was coming to devour the fruit trees. Um, and so I had to find out how to protect the fruit trees from, from this. And, and more broadly, the orchard and the soil from it as well. So um, I, I had a look at, I had to repertorize, and you look in the article, you'll see what I repertorized on. on. Um, because it, 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 first of all, it was a sudden collapse condition. So you can get that in the general symptoms. So sudden collapse, yeah. And it, the, the, the plants also don't look like they're sick. They look actually very well and vibrant before they collapse, yeah, with lots of flowers and fruit. Uh, it's, it's a progressive disease as well, so you can put that in generals. Um, it's also a fungus so you can put that uh, uh, as a characteristic. Um, and <clears throat> what I started coming up with when I put in these rubrics, there were others, I also put in the anxiety and nervousness that the guardians of the land experienced. Since mm. I was reading it as a whole situation, the human expression of that land was nervous. Um, and so I prescribed on that nervousness and concern. Um, and I came up with either phosphorus or arsenicum. And then based on, on the, the observation that... Um, that the honey fungus, the, the toadstools glow in the dark. They're bioluminescent. So that must require phosphorus, right? Phosphorus must be involved in that somehow. Yeah, probably. In, bio, yeah. in the bioluminescence. 
Yeah. So so uh, so maybe the, the the fungus is is interfering with the phosphorus metabolism of the tree, and that's how it mm. dies. I'm okay. speculating. I'm speculating. Based on based on the indicated remedies, I'm speculating. So, so this was your first approach. This is your. That first was my first approach, approach. Okay. and that's that's a similar approach. Similar yeah, approach. Similar. I, right, I repetrized. Right. Yeah, okay, I repetrized yeah. for 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 the the trees and, and, and the experience out? of the trees and the illness of the trees that they went through. How did that work out when you gave it? And how long well, I, I'm I'm coming work? to that. Yeah, because there yeah. were two other remedies as well. Right, um, I know. I, I came I came across this amazing article on the internet, which again is in the links in the article on, on agrohomeopathy. It must have been put up in the late '90s. It looked like one of those internet version 0 0.5, uh, you know, just plain HTML website. Okay. And the insights there were that in the case of honey fungus, you have this orchid called the early purple orchid. And the early purple orchid, orchid, orchids rely on the network of fungus in the soil to get their nutrients. They completely outsource their root system to the local fungus population. They don't have roots at all. That's why they're called orchids, because they look like a big testicle. They just sit in the tree or on, they, they don't need soil. All they need is to be connected with fungus. So this early purple orchid was a symbiote of the, the honey fungus. So it, it needed the honey fungus in order to, to create its root system. So the two creatures were inextricably bound as symbiotes. But not only that, the early, the, the early purple orchid had the ability to, to excrete hormones and switch off the fungus's predatory nature, turning it into a saprophyte, something that, that eats dead things wow. instead of an actual parasite or a predator. Yeah, and, and, and tell me, how did you how did you find this out? Did you have to research books, or or how did you come to that information? I scoured the internet. I used I okay. just used Google, and I just searched and searched and searched, and I found this single page using wow. quotation wow. mark searches and pluses and minuses. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I have a background in computers as well, so I scour I scoured the the internet, um, and I found this, and not only that, but but the early purpose it could switch off the predatory nature of the honey fungus, um, using hormones because it didn't like the big rush. Of, of nutrients that came down the network once a tree had been killed. It made the nutrient environment unstable for the orchid. So, ah, it, it so it tried like to control it, it with its enzymes. It switched it off. It used hormones to switch off the predatory nature of the fungus. Wow. So, so I, of course I had to use that, of course. And it turns out that it's one of the bay leaf flower essences. You know bay leaf flower essences, like the batch flowers or the bush flowers. The bay, Bailey has one as well. And, and one of his was the early purple orchid because it's a native of Ireland and England. So I included that in the treatment as well. And then the last thing I used was a predator remedy. So since, since the honey fungus displaces the mycorrhizal, and, and mycorrhizal are the optimal honey fungus in the soil, I used mycorrhizal inoculant. I actually had mycorrhizal inoculant, and I turned it into a remedy, and we used that. So there were the three remedies that we used. We sprayed them all over the land. We potentized the, the water barrels, and we used uh, watering cans around a central big sort of, you know, 100-litre um, barrel, and we just watered the entire property. That's what we did. Um, um, and then we gave silica to the, the trees that were, that were threatened. So we gave the remedy, and we also ad uh, additionally gave silica to the... To the well, there was one particular cherry tree that was almost half dead, and that was almost like our sort of our canary in the coal mine, that tree. So if that tree died, then it would be an indication that the treatment didn't work. But if it survived... It would be an indication that one of the indications that it did. So we did that. We sprayed it around, and, and obviously you're talking about a very long, slow condition here. So you know, three years later, it came back a little bit in areas that we hadn't treated, and so uh, they they applied a second treatment. I wasn't around for that, but they applied a second treatment, and then the following time, it did, the following year, it hadn't come back at all, and since then, it hasn't come back at all. I've been in touch with Bridget, and yeah. I think it's five, five, six years now. Now, that's Carl. That's supposed to be impossible. That's impossible. Yeah, but what I yeah, find what we're, I find we're fantastic told it's is, what I find fantastic is um, you know it's it's not just this one thing. We tend to think in terms of you know a magic bullet, something that that'll take care of our problems. But here, it's actually going in and understanding the relationship uh, between the fungus and its and its. Uh, uh, you know, the orchid and all this kind of stuff. And you can go in there and actually, uh, uh, you know, block certain processes. You know, you're hitting it at, at a three-way 
stage, the predatory stage, the fungal stage, and the law of similars, uh, you know, and, and to get this. But it also, it's not instantaneous. It took, you know, five, four, three or four years. I mean, there's probably little yeah. signs, but it's only now that you can probably say uh, you're out of the woods, to excuse the pun. Um, but, um, but it's a slow process, but it takes understanding as well to, to be able to see these phenomenal kind of uh, response. It, it does, it does. It, it is analogous to being a homeopath for human beings. You know, like we homeopaths, we're, we, don't, we don't go in there with the, with the kind of biomedical uh, prescribing model. Yeah, so we look at signs and symptoms of the vital force. And that's yeah, you take, you take it all in. So, so, you, so, you know, in, in its simplest form, you don't actually need to know anything about, not very much about anatomy and physiology and pathology and disease. Yeah. Now, of course, it's, it's useful knowing about that, of course, and, and we all do. And, and it's, it's, you know, and in order to interact with the allopathic system, you need to understand that too and have some training in it. Yeah, uh, but more, in its purest form, you have in its pure, you don't need, you don't need that knowledge to practice homeopathy. No, you, you just need to the read clear symptoms. Yeah it's, yeah, it's symptoms, and that's the beauty. That's what makes it universal. Uh, you can apply it to animals, to to the garden, to people, uh, on the same symptomology. Of course, having more information can help you, uh, but it's not well, it work without it. So kind of analogous, analogous to that is is you do learn much more about pathology, disease, and anatomy, and physiology, and other medical disciplines as as you practice as a homeopath. So in the same way. If you practice as an agrohomeopath, you inevitably start finding out about soil biome and predators and seasons and companions and pH and all of these important things that, that horticulturalists uh, are, are, you know, consider to be part of their everyday work. You know, and I'm I'm lucky to have Catherine Colwell, uh, an ally in the organic center down in the organic college down in Drumcolliher in Leitrim. She's a biodynamics practitioner and and a, a teacher at the organic center. So I'm I'm very lucky to have her as as a, you know a buddy and a mentor, um, because she can give me the information about biodynamics. And she was the first person that I phoned up to to discuss the the honey fungus case, because it was a bit of a head scratcher. You know, I mean, I had to go go away and think about it for a while. Yeah, you know, that's a fantastic story, Mark. Um, geez, you know, uh, over an hour has gone by. Um, I just uh, this is fantastic information you're giving. So. Um, I'm going to have to wrap up now, but I want to have you come okay. back on again. Um, well, there's, there's so much to talk about, Carl. Yeah, and, we've and, and just started. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, but what I would do is, is just direct your listeners, how do I get the remedies? You know, a lot, a lot of the, the, the homeopathic remedies are standard. Uh, and Christiane Maute's book is very good at that. You can get your Helios kit and Christiane Maute's book, and you can do a lot, a lot of work just with that. And that right. would be a good place to start. Kaviraj's book. Homeopathy for Farm and Garden is essential reading also, but I, I'd suggest that second. Um, and I'm going to uh, pro provide some links to some handouts and additional information about how to prepare the remedies for your garden and how to apply the remedies on your garden. Okay, so those what will be in, in the links that I send you, the handouts. Yeah, well, what I need to do is set up a website and I'll put that stuff up there. But in the meantime, is there a way people can contact you directly? Is, would that be your email? You yeah, you can you can contact Marco Sullivan is my name. I'm I, my practice is based in Letterkenny in County Donegal, um, but most of my practice is actually online. Um, I have clients all over the country in um, Ireland, North and South. I have clients in in London. I have clients in in Austria. Would you believe? Um, so yeah, so I I'm I'm available really sort of internationally uh, on Zoom, and that that's that's most of my practice is that. And I have some local clients, but I'd say about two thirds of my practice is is online these days. Fantastic. So, Fantastic. Uh, so yeah, and you can contact me uh, www.homeopath.ie. Uh, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Donegal Homeopathy. Or is it Homeopathy Donegal? I, can never I think Homeopathy Donegal um, I have down here. Is it Homeopathy Donegal? And, yeah. then, and then on Twitter, I'm at Homeopath. Okay. Uh, so there's a variety of ways of, get, of getting in touch with me. Fantastic. Um, and uh, so, Mark, it's, uh, I'm really delighted to have you come on and explain some agrohomeopathy to me and the, the listeners. Uh, I know that uh, uh, years ago I kind of dabbled in a wee bit of it and I had some success with uh, using yes. bombics, uh, caterpillars on, a, on an apple tree and uh, it was meant to go away in three days. It took seven days and I never came back year after year and never saw a caterpillar. But um, that's, uh, that's only, I've only had a, 
a small amount of experience. But it's really great to have someone like you on here to talk to us and tell us all these amazing things. And I hope to have you back again. So um, I'm just going to wrap this up. So if you just if you just bear with me, Mark. Um, uh, I'm, Thank you very much for coming on. I acknowledge you for your great work. And uh, we need more of this in the country. Uh, you know, we need to hear more of this kind of stuff. It's good for the planet. It's good for us. Um, so thank you, man. Um, so um, you're welcome. Thank you. So just to sign off, this is Carl Moore. You've been listening to the Made in Nature podcast, which can be found in many podcast platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple, iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter and check out the website, which should be up soon. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. See you.